You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is our Wednesday night crossover, the part of the week where I smile the most with the Big 12 super friends. I am Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12. Below me, it is John Williams of Locked On Sooners. To the right of him, it is Linda Godfrey of Locked On Pokes. Then above her, it is Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs. Geometry, not my specialty, but I got that one. Got that one correct. All right. So on today's show, we've got a couple things that we're going to do. We're going to do our power rankings. Uh, we're going to talk about this week and, and Red River obviously coming up, so it's kind of taking the center stage. Uh, we're going to go through the power rankings, talk about different storylines. But the one story that we have to talk about, and I wanted to do this because I wanted to get everybody's thoughts, but uh, it's this, this right here. Look at this beautiful shot that we got. Look at this. this yeah, is visual representation. Visual oh, yeah. representation. Uh, because the guy on the right is also the guy on the left, and the guy on the left and the guy on the right almost coached at Texas. So um, that's happening. And look, I know Urban Meyer is a really good football coach. He is. But the problem is that he has had problems now. And I'm not sure about Utah. I'm not sure there was anything wrong. But he has had really like crippling issues at the last three places that we go. And I, I know stories vary about Florida, but the more and more we learn about Urban's time at Florida, it was really not a uh, well-run program from the standpoint of like, you know, player management, player health, uh, things of that nature. Obviously, we know the story at Ohio State, and now we have the story here um, with the Jaguars and what's happening. And it's a complete debacle. It's a complete mess with what's happening there. So, Stephen, I'll go to you first. Did Texas dodge a bullet by not hiring Urban Meyer? Wow. Yeah, I like this angle. Um, I mean, as much as I hate to judge someone forever, they try to cope with coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, that was not a good look over the weekend. Uh, and then, you know, it, also the thing with Urban, too, is like the the explanation or excuse of just having a casual dinner with your grandkids and these ladies are so overcome that they have to force you onto the dance floor. It's like so lame and just dumb. So uh, yeah, they probably did to be honest. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian aside from the team kind of falling flat in their face at Arkansas has been uh, great. He's, he's rolling along. Like there's been no PR snafus. Um, and for a, a organization like the University of Texas and that football program that hasn't been able to get out of its own way for a while, uh, it was probably good that they didn't end up with Urban Meyer there. That's, that's something I hadn't considered. But, yeah, you're right. I, I do think that was a, a good win for, for Texas football. Linda, you follow pro football pretty closely. Do you agree with Stephen's assessment that, like, what a lame excuse, like a room full of grown men. And we look, we know – 
that there are a lot of football players who like to live a certain lifestyle, you know, as a pro athlete. It, could you imagine when the NFL players, and, and, and I believe the report was that he apologized not as a whole, but he went by position group to apologize. Like the reactions that those guys must have gave, it's like, dude, save it. We were not born yesterday. It's so lame. What are your thoughts on, on kind of how he handled it like that? Yeah, I, that's like how my seven-year-old apologizes. So she like kind of <laughs> dances around it. Just own it. There's a video. We saw it happen. Say I did a thing. I screwed up. Uh, I mean, I didn't hurt any of you guys' feelings. I have to talk to my wife after this. But like ultimately, <laughs> all he had to do was be like, I screwed up. And we're going to like, I'm owning it, but we're going to move on. We got a football game to play. Like now it's just in the air there. Ugh. I am. This weekend should be an absolute treat. I'm very looking forward to it. Who are they playing this weekend, by the way? Uh, are they going to be on five? They probably will be on five. I think they're playing Tennessee. Uh, they'll be on. They're going to be on five then. Oh, Tennessee can be. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's weird stuff. John, as, as a Sooners guy, would you, because ra- we know how good of a college ball coach Urban Meyer is. Would you rather them have Urban Meyer or would you rather them have Sark? Well, if I'm speaking from purely, I, mean, I don't know, man, just the whole thing with Urban for years has really bothered me. I feel like a lot of what happened down at Florida got covered up by the Tim Tebow effect. Like, Urban Meyer's lack of integrity has followed him for almost a decade. It seems right, more than a decade. And a lot of that stuff at Florida, which is kind of glossed over because, you know, whether it was the personalities that they had, you know, like you had a guy that ended up one day committing murder, right? Like it, you're, you're not developing men at that program. If that's one of your issues, you know, and they've got several other guys on that team. I'm not going to compare them to the guy I just mentioned, but that we're just not good dudes. And you got to have, I mean, in, in, in every football program, you got to have guys that are just nasty for sure. But just the way Urban Meyer runs his programs, it just doesn't, it doesn't scream high integrity. And so I've just never been a big fan of the guy. I feel like everywhere he goes, he just leaves a dark cloud, whether it's now I have heart problems. So I got to step away or right. now I've got, you know, memory ish- loss. Yeah, like it's and and then and then magically some some investigation starts occurring at the program he just stepped away from. And you're like, come on, man, this is not a coincidence. And I get like there's a there is a stress and a strain that that is on college football coaches, whether you're a position coach or coordinator or head coach, it doesn't matter. Like you're still under a a, a great deal amount of stress, but you're not seeing this ha- you know, like these health issues across the country like they are with urban meyer who looks to be a physically fit guy right like right. i'm no you know i'm a nurse that's my day job i can see urban meyer he doesn't look like he's going to be a guy unless he's got some congenital stuff going on that we don't know about he's not somebody that's struggling with obesity he's probably watching what he eats fairly well but for him to have consistent health issues at the same time that he's got these investigations pop up, it just, I don't know. It just screams lack of integrity. Well, I, mean, I think for the, I think for college football, for big 12 football in particular, Sark was a, by far a better hire. Yes. He had his issue back at USC. It's a decade ago. You haven't heard anything out of him for a while and they're having some success and he's, he's brought a bit of a spark to the program. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's actually what I wanted to bring up is like with Sark, there appears to be some real personal growth. 
right? Like there actually appears to be, at least publicly, there is personal growth. The problem is publicly for Urban Meyer, he appears to be the same person that he's always been. That is like the big key is like he has not changed. And look, while he is a wildly successful college football coach, this act that he tried to bring to the NFL is not worked. And it didn't work from day one. We all remember when he tried to I be, mean, people are forgetting this. Remember when he tried to hire Chris Doyle, who I think yeah. was his first name, Chris Doyle or Smith, whatever his name was, strength coach at Iowa, who was chased out because of, you know, apparently racist remarks that he had made. And he tries to hire him. And a, a day later, the guy has to resign because like these are grown men. These are like th- that he's gonna, th- the guys gonna be coaching. You can't hurl insults at these dudes. They make more money. All of them probably make more money than the strength and conditioning coach of an NFL team. Like you, like they're not gonna, they're not gonna take any of that. Let alone like him being in the building. You know, not even having said anything, they won't take that. So for me, it's just this attitude that he feels like he can skate by with everything, like the excuses that he made. Like this act that just happened, like the video that we saw, like the explanation of, of, of him hiring the strength conditioning coach, like him having the quarterback competition between Trevor Lawrence and uh, Gardner Minshew, like it was an open competition. Like this crap does not work in the NFL. And maybe for him, things would get better if he went back to college. But I, I mean, I saw a poll that Brett McMurphy did for Action Network, and it said 73% of athletic directors would not hire uh, him right now to be their head coach. Now, I don't know if I believe that necessarily, um, but I just thought that was something interesting. Stephen, any closing thoughts on on Urban? No, I'm glad you brought up the McMurphy thing because I saw that today too. Um, I think there is a significant number that would have a hard and fast no. I also feel like that's a really convenient and easy thing to say. Yes. Like when he's not available and he's in the midst of a scandal like this. Um, so I, I, I do believe Brett, though. Like, I do think there are a lot of athletic directors that would say no. It's kind of like, I mean, I'm not comparing these two guys because they have vastly different track records. But I know there are a lot of people in the market I used to work in that were convinced that Art Bryles was going to get another chance. And it's like, I mean, one, there's a lot of terrible things that happened under his watch, obviously. But two, like, I don't feel like people realize, like, the coaching world moves fast. I mean – just because you were a smart, innovative guy seven, eight years ago, like that doesn't mean that's going to work right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't even be the first thing that you talk about when you're bringing those two men up. There's a lot of other things that you have to get through before you get to that aspect of it. But I mean, Urban, yeah, he was wildly successful. And the Ohio State reign was not that long ago. I do think there would be uh, programs that take a chance on him. But I also feel like there's a lot that would just say, no, we don't want to deal with all the. And we don't like we don't honestly have the resources and the you know things within our institution to deal with the PR backlash we would get if we hired him. Linda, anything else uh, as we wrap up on Urban? No, I had block, blocked out that uh, Trevor Lawrence Gardner Minshew battle though, so now I'm like re <laughs> mad about that, and it was several months ago. So what what, what a race it was! Life. What a race it was! <laughs> John. Yeah, I just want to piggyback off what Steven said, like what program is going to feel comfortable with the potential longevity of Urban Meyer as their head coach? Like you're going to sign a guy to a five to 10 year head coaching deal and maybe three, four years into it, he's like, I'm good. Why did an NFL team trust the long, like I have never, I wasn't on board when it happened. 
I have been very vocally off board for a very long time and concerned about what it means for every rookie that they drafted this year. I mean, I think it ends up uh, an entire new coaching staff next year if he makes God, it that long. I can't believe the Jaguars missed Doug Marone. I mean, Doug Marone's like a, a decent coach, but like things were clearly not going well there at the end. Uh, and th- they probably yearned for the days of Doug Marone. Let's get to something positive, And that is our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you protein bar in this protein bar game today. Coconut, cherry bar, chia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. Those are the flavors available right now. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calorie ranges from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. And also the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So go to Built.com today. It's Built.com. Promo code Locked 15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, Locked 15. You'll get 15% off today at Built.com. All right, friends, let's move on to the power rankings. These are updated. These are new. These are fresh. You all have not seen them, so we're going to do a live reaction this week. And, John, there's no surprise. <gasps> and Baylor's still getting love. Baylor's still, <laughs> Baylor's still getting love. Uh, uh, in this graphic because it's the only graphic that we can find that's got space and the Big 12 logo on it. So there you go. Baylor's getting the love of the pylon. Oklahoma and Texas. I got them at one and two. And I think, but Linda, before I bring you in here, um, you know, Oklahoma's hand on number one because before, you know, until somebody beats them, obviously they're going to stay up there. But John, we'd be lying if we had said – I actually thought the win was pretty good over Kansas State. I, I think if you wipe out that Knowles kickoff return for a touchdown, it ends up being a two-score game, right? So they took care of business on the road, and that was a late kick return that ended up etching it out for them uh, that, that you know made it a little bit closer. But a lot of talk this week from the coaching staff Oklahoma about how practice wasn't great last week. Alex Grinch always talks about it, but Lincoln Riley echoed that too. Players echo that too. How are you feeling defensively? Because that was that was Oklahoma's probably worst defensive performance so far this year. A lot of long, sustained drives, and they couldn't get off the field very well either. How are you feeling heading into Red River, where we know the offense is about to take a little bit of an uptick on the opposing side of the field? Yeah, you know, there's definitely some nerves heading into the Cotton Bowl. You know, Texas has got one of the best running backs in the country, best running games in the country. Casey Casey Thompson has been efficient up until he ran into Gary Patterson this past week. It's going to be it's going to be interesting, man. If you're a team that's facing Oklahoma, every drive should be four down territory because Oklahoma cannot stop a team on fourth down at this point. Team, mm-hmm. you know, they they held Kansas State to eight of fifteen on third down, but they were like four or five on fourth down. So they're like what does it even matter if we get a stop on third down? We still have to stop them on fourth down. Now, you know, Oklahoma missed 15 tackles, according to pro football focus. Deuce Vaughn is incredibly difficult to stop. Phillip Brooks is a really good wide receiver. Malik Knowles is also very good. He's, he's very shifty. It's a pretty good offense. And like you said, they held, they held him to 24 points from the defensive standpoint. It was a two score game for a lot of the fourth or the second half, you know, Oklahoma opened it up in the third quarter and kept it a two touchdown game for a lot of that until that kickoff return for a touchdown. A lot of things had to go right for Oklahoma. They had to recover an onside kick at the end, had to get the double review to catch that, uh, that double touch by the kicker to Mm -hmm. overturn the onside kick recovery by Kansas state. And so some things had to go right. You know, I, I thought it was still their, their, 
best win of the season. I would agree. Uh, you overcame a team that had beaten you twice in the last two years and a team that's really a good football team, a well-coached, uh, a tough-nosed football team that has given you fits. To me, it's like a, a rivalry win. You just – you take the win and you just go. You try and get better and you learn from it. It was a bit of a weird week. You know, they had Delarin Turner yell that was announced that he was going to be unavailable. Justin Harrington entered the transfer portal like the day before the game. So the, a lot of moving parts in the secondary. Hopefully they get Woody Washington back this week. A lot, lot, a lot to improve upon from the win over Kansas State, but I thought it was a good win. Uh, Linda, did I miss the mark here? Should I have put Oklahoma State number two? I Here's why I didn't. They had a lot of chances to bury Baylor in that game. They didn't. And Baylor's offense, because Oklahoma State's defense was so good. It was so, so good. accurately good in that game. I mean, absolutely stone cold awesome in basically the entire way. Saved it one touchdown. Um, they Their offense needed to punctuate that performance. They had a couple chances to pull away. And I'll be honest, my guy, Spencer Sanders, not making the requisite throws – at certain times to do it. They asked the defense to keep coming up big. They kept doing it. Uh, am I wrong here? Should Oklahoma State be number two? I still think wrong is a strong word. I mean, we are the only un- other undefeated team, mm-hmm. so I feel like that should give get some kind of nod. I know Texas has a really good offense. I'm very excited about the game this weekend, especially since I won't have an Oklahoma State game to like really up my stress levels. I'll get to just like enjoy football for a weekend. But like you said, that defense, I just feel like that defense is going to keep us in every game this season. We turned it over three times. We didn't create any turnovers regard- outside of like fourth down stops. So to lose the turnover battle and still come out with a win, I, I just think our defense is so much better than maybe a stat sheet shows. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and they're doing it through injuries with young depth. So that's like super exciting for future prospects. Jim Knowles is uh, you know, I'm going to nominate him for president, I think, next season. You know, <laughs> next season. I don't know how presidencies work. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, Oklahoma it's 2024 season. next year. Yeah, let's, let's do it next year. <laughs> but I just – I do think that defense can keep us in games, and if offense can stop having, you know, three turnovers a game, if they can cut the mistakes out, then then we're in every game we, we play this season. Now, Stephen, you guys got a good look at number two last – no, okay, first of all, can Gary Patterson stop talking about other teams? Like this week with the, no. the Bijan Robinson comments. So in case you guys didn't see it, and Stephen, correct me on the comment here, but basically he was like, "I would never run Zach Evans as much as Bijan got ran last week." Is that is that what he did, what he said? Essentially, yeah. He's he he makes a comment once a week that everybody gets to dunk on. It's just like poor <laughs> Colin Post from the school paper tweet something out, and his mentions are just in shambles. Because here's Gary at Thanksgiving, and he's got to talk about the vaccine again. Like he's just he's like that guy. Like he's just he's he's got to go there. Everything's fine. And no, he's yeah. He said he would never run Bajan or he would never run Zach thirty five times like Bajan Robinson. So, like number one, I mean, yeah. On the whole, I his statement, like the premise of it, I understand. Here's the problem is you just lost the game and the player you're talking about single-handedly won the game for the opposing team. And this was a – so, like, the context really matters here because what we talked about last year with B. John Robin, Robinson, criminally underused, right? Criminally underused. Two, what did Sark say at the beginning of the season? 
in certain spots, I will use him as much as I need to to get the job done, which he did. Do yeah. I think he's been overusing him so far this season? Actually, no, I don't. I think I think he's been used the right amount. This this was some overusage, but like Oklahoma State, I mean, we're seeing some Jalen Warren games where he's getting thirty touches, right? So and, and nobody's yeah. you know, nobody's talking about that. So I and personally speaking, this is not just my opinion. Bijan's a guy. Let's be honest. He's going to be the best player on every single field he's on this year. Um, he should be in the NFL next year. Like there, I, I would say Bijan Robinson is the best player on the field this week. I, I think now Oklahoma might have Oklahoma who's, might have yeah. Two, who's better than Bijan Robinson, John? Oklahoma might have two through ten. Bijan Robinson the best player. Bijan Robinson <laughs> the best player on the field. But my point is also too, Stephen. In that game, I mean, Casey Thompson tried to give that thing away a few times. His yeah. decision making was really poor. I thought he made a bunch of a couple, a few bad decisions. I think TCU had at least two dropped interceptions, maybe more than that, over the course of the game. And look, TCU is not the ninth best team in the conference. I think they end up being higher than this, but they've got to find a way to capitalize. And I will say, if Oklahoma this week can successfully successfully take out Bijan in some way, shape, or form, and make Casey beat them, I think they're going to have a pretty good week because if Casey Thompson looks anything like he did last game. There's no chance Texas wins this football game. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I want to go back to the Zach Evans thing for a minute because. Yeah. So one, yeah, they are like him and Bijan are different body types. Like Zach is more slight, he's more slender, but he had 15 carries. I feel like I'm in some bizarro world right now. I think if like if Gary Patterson was the lead in a rom com, which I know is not a visual that a lot of people want, <laughs> but if that were the case we'd be at the part of the movie where like he found the person that he wanted. Like he found the type of person he wanted exactly. And he can't commit. I mean, for, for the past three years, I've been watching as this guy has wanted to slow things down, play, you know, just play good defense, just run the football. That's all we want to do. We don't want to put the ball in the hands of a young quarterback. We're not going to run any up tempo. Like we we're going to be like a big 10 football team. Jerry kills on the staff who's most famous for eating a dilly bar in the snow in Minnesota in the middle of the winter. Like he's a football dude. This is what he does. He just gets, he used to recruit corn fed kids to come up there and run the ball 30 yeah, times. And now they have a guy who at best will be here for three years. Like that was another part of the comment that was weird is Gary said that both Zach Evans and John Robinson will be at school for four years. No, they won't. These dudes <laughs> right. are not getting degrees. Like they are gone. Right. Like he's going to the NFL. They might get degrees later. My apologies to their parents. I, you know, whatever. But they don't need them. Zach Evans is gone after three years. He might be gone after this year. He might be in the portal if, you know, things don't get better. <laughs> so use him while he's here. Like give him the football. What are we doing? And, yeah, you don't have to give it to him 35 times. And I will say he does have a habit. And I don't know if this is some weird agreement that they have some handshake deal they have to get him there since he's a five-star talent. But, like, he does a lot of this. I mean, he's, he's tapping the helmet after two or three carries sometimes where it's like, really? You know, you're, you're worn out right now? Like, we're in the middle of this drive. But still, I mean, like, give him the football. I just – I don't get – like, this is what they've been trying to do the last few seasons. They haven't had the personnel to do it. They finally have a guy who can run that type of offense – and they've gotten away from it. So I don't understand that. And, yeah, Casey Thompson, um, I wasn't super impressed. Now, 
I think TCU did some things to confuse him by, you know, those dropped interceptions were both by linebackers who like dropped into some zone coverage and some looks where it looked like they might be coming on a blitz. There's some of that involved. And I think Alex Grinch can also do that on Saturday. Um, but yeah, he, he was, he was struggling and that's why I'm conflicted about right. where TCU is because in some ways I was really encouraged that they played better, but I also sort of felt like, man, now they turned the ball over a couple times, but like we just took a, they just took a pretty good swing at a good Texas team at home and they still couldn't find a way to win. And if they didn't, if not for a stop at the one yard line on fourth and goal, that game would have been over with about 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So it, the final score was close and they had a chance, but Texas controlled that game for most of it. So um, now they got to go beat Tech this week in Lubbock, which will be tough to do. Which we're going to get to in one second. But first, forward to our friends at betonline.ag. If you want to put some, uh, some fat stacks down on any of the action this weekend, we've got, let's see, three games of the conference. We've got obviously Red River. We've got Baylor, West Virginia. We've got Tech and TCU. All three games have really close spreads. Get on the action. Go to betonline.ag. You can bet on that. Boxing at Wilder Fury this weekend. They go for the third time. Uh, UFC next weekend. Formula One this weekend. Whatever it is you want to bet on, they've got there at betonline.ag. Sign up. It's free to do. Use the promo code Locked On. It's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On. You get yourself a 50% deposit bonus today. Football, basketball, boxing, baseball, whatever it is, they've got you there at Bet Online. Bet Online, where the game starts. That's new. I like that tagline that where the game starts. Also, prize picks. Um, this is a lot of fun, prize picks. So basically, it's just the fun way to play daily fantasy, but they've got it for college. And people, let me tell you something. I've been looking, I do a, a segment called Prop the Top Off every week on Big 12 today where I try I make up my own Big 12 props. I don't have to anymore because at prize picks you can find things like Max Duggan over under on turnovers, which I, I like to take the over on. Over. Uh Jared Dagey over on turnovers and Spencer Sanders over well, a lot of bad quarterbacks in our conference, right? Uh over on turnovers for all of those guys. Um, you know, punting net yards, I'm not even sure they have that. Field goals made, all those kinds of things they've got at prize picks. You go there right now Use a promo code locked on. They'll match any deposit up to $100 today. Uh, so, once again, go to Prize Picks. You can download the app right now. Use that promo code locked on to get that deal. All right. So, let's go through some of the other. We're, we're going to circle around to Red River in the end. So, we'll, we'll say that for the end. We'll make some picks there for that in the end because I think it's really intriguing, really fun. So, number one, the schedule this week, don't like it because the fact that Baylor, West Virginia is at the same time as Red River, um, that's frustrating for me. Also, we got a 7 o'clock game. We could have had the perfect menu. The, the three windows could have been filled by Big 12 action. We're not going to get that. Let's go to Baylor and West Virginia. And I'm going to boomerang back to, to Stephen really fast here. So, Baylor needs to win this game, right? Good teams win this game against West Virginia. That, that's, the big, that's the big measuring stick for Dave Aranda. You lost last week. Can you bounce back at home as a favorite? I think so. I'm not really sure how. I mean, I think it'll be a competitive game, but I'm not really sure how West Virginia scores on Baylor's defense. Um, I think this is a a good opportunity for them to get after Jarrett Dagey and make some things happen. And the offense will be able to do enough. But I do think it's worth watching. You know, obviously, like Linda's pokes, they have a great defense, and so does Iowa State. But that was – 
I mean, that was 12 or 13 straight drives. If you go back to the Iowa State game in the first half, you know, into the late in the third quarter of the Oklahoma State game where Baylor just could not find a way to get in the end zone and score. So, um, you know, that might be something to watch the rest of the season. I do feel like Baylor gets the victory on Saturday, though. John, do you feel like the middle class of the conference, like if West Virginia were to win this game, I'm kind of showing this graphic just to show that middle class, like from Baylor to TCU, things could get really weird because if West Virginia pulls this game off, you're sitting in the spot where we've got them losing to Tech and then bouncing back at Baylor and Baylor dropping that game. It kind of puts us in a weird limbo spot, right, if, if we end up seeing that happen. Yeah, the middle class is going to just be beating up on each other all year long. There's going to be games where, like, I think West Virginia actually is going to have a great shot at this game because of their defense. I mean, I think they're one of the more underrated defenses in the league. We saw it just a couple weeks ago against Oklahoma. You know, that front that they've got is going to cause a lot of fits for Baylor's front. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. It, the, the middle is going to be really, really intriguing to watch. It's one of those situations where it'd be kind of fun to have, like, a little – four to 16 playoff in the big 12, just to see it all shake out for a big 12 championship. But I'm a, I'm a more playoffs all the time kind of guy. So mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of where I stand, but yeah, it's going to be really fascinating to see how the, the Baylor's and the West Virginia's and Tech's and the K States of the world, where they go from here, because there's a lot to still kind of figure out with that next tier of teams. And then Linda, I want to ask you about Oklahoma state again is is the I think the buy for them is coming at the right time because this team was a little banged up and there's been a big conversation for a lot of people to talk about like practice and, and the value of practice and I think Oklahoma State got a lot of reps in the spring and they repped a lot in the fall I think they may be the the bad side of the argument right like like there is maybe too much practice because from the word go they were banged up I mean they they were banged up for the season started they got banged up the first game I think this buy is coming at the right time for them because they began to get more healthy, and I think they're going to come out really healthy for their Texas and Iowa State trips, plural, that are coming up. And, I mean, I think a split you definitely take if you're a Pokes fan. Yeah, it's at perfect timing for a bye week, and I do agree. I think uh, it gives some time for especially some of the defense, like I talked about. We had a ton of depth and youth and all these exciting things about the defense, and then everybody got hurt like right out of the gate. We're like, oh, we don't have depth anymore. It's just – just young guys, but figure it out. And like Colin Oliver played a fantastic game on Saturday and he was there all spring, all fall practicing. So while I understand like, you know, injuries come, the more you practice, it's also helped some of our young guys that were able to come in and get enrolled and be there all spring and all fall. So uh, bottom line though, perfect time for a bye week perfect time to set up for a game against Texas. Great game to watch them in this weekend. And we kind of get to sit and watch everybody. So I, I can't be mad about the bye week, except for that. I'm afraid my hype is going to get like too strong headed into week seven and then something terrible might happen. So I'm trying to like remain even just. Uh, yeah, it's, that's, that's what you need to do. Remain even to one game at a time. That's what every, every game. Interesting, like super interesting. Actually the top teams this year, Oklahoma state and, and, Oklahoma, both the Oklahoma schools, have really enjoyed making every single game they play a dogfight, save the uh, FCS opponent for, uh, for yeah. OU. We're for fun. We're just – we're here for fun. Yeah, in chaos. Yeah, uh, Steven, me and you have a different definition of fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steven, I want to – you have another one of those games this week where this is like 
if TCU wants to throw the wrench in the middle class, they have a chance. They have the opportunity to do it because, weirdly enough, I don't think people are talking about this. Texas Tech is four and one, with a chance at home against TCU to go to five and one. And I think, given the circumstances, given the injuries, you know, to, I mean, they've had a, their quarterback at wide receiver, at running back, at offensive line, at corner. I mean, they they've been pretty banged up. Um. Texas Tech has a chance maybe to, to climb the top half of the conference or TCU can just say, go on the road and say, nah, uh, welcome to the middle class. Let's all have fun and ping pong around here in the middle. Right. Yeah. As, uh, as if, you know, a night game in Lubbock was not stressful enough. Um, I, I think Eric Ezekama, his status is going to be huge in this one for, for Texas Tech. Is he back from that injury? But I was super impressed with their ability to go on the road and get that win in Morgantown. Like that surprised me. Um, I thought this would be a game CCU could handle. I think the line's like one and a half. I mean, it's a coin flip, which seems about right. One subplot to this game, too. You know, Sonny Cumbie, who's now calling plays there at Tech, he he became the scapegoat for the fans for the TCU offensive struggles the last few seasons. And he obviously knows Gary's defense pretty well. I know that Gary understands his offensive system well and what he wants to do. But I'm just wondering, you know, how much he's excited to get a chance to, to maybe make a statement um, and, and get that tech offense rolling. But can TCU slow down that run game and enforce Henry Columbia throw? I think that will be a huge key. I, I still feel like this is a, a, a game that is winnable, obviously, and they should win. Um, but I, I was definitely had my eyebrows raised when, you know, tech went on the road and won that game, especially – Going up seventeen nothing in the first half like that against West Virginia, that was impressive. I was smiling while you're talking because so I was just thinking about like the idea that you know Henry Columbia throws the ball sixty times, and after the game, Gary's like, "I'd never make Max Duggan." His arm might fall off. I'm against. I'm against winning. I'm yeah, against can't have my guys throwing it or running it we, too much. I don't want to win if it's not the right way, yeah. right? I don't want to win yeah. it's the right way. All right. Can't have Let's my middle get... linebacker tackling 15 times. No, no, it's too many hits. It's too many hits, too many hits in the shoulder. Um, all right, so let's get to the big game of the week. It's Red River. Uh, this is the biggest game on the Big 12 schedule so far this year. Now, obviously, you know, if OU and, and, and Oklahoma State were to run the table to, to their matchup, uh, that would end up being the biggest game of the year. But to date, to date, this is the biggest game of the year. And a couple things here. Number one, Bijan Robinson last week um, kind of went peak Bijan Robinson. Like I, I know we discuss the the running back and how it's been used differently, but I mean that last play where you get the first down, like the cuts he was making, the ability just to like spring backward, spring to the side, and spring forward. It's it's just he's 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 a net I mean, I hate the term, but next level player, like it's it's already in right in front of you. And Oklahoma is going to have their hands full while they have a great defense. Their job is to not let that first drive that we saw against West Virginia, those multiple drives we saw from Kansas State, if they can limit those long drives, they're going to have a chance. This game's going to be close. I am not going to – I'm not going to give any points in this game. I, I would not take – or well, I would not give points is just is what I'm going to say here. Um I'm leaning towards Oklahoma. John, I'm, I'm sure you're probably with me on that. Yeah, I, I do think Oklahoma wins. I do think it's going to be a close game. I could see it ending on a Gabe Brickage, you know, field goal. Um, 
Uh, it's going to be tough, man. Bijan Robinson is really, really good. He might be the best player on the field on Saturday. Nick Bonito might have something to say about that as well. Yeah. But a lot of it's going to come down to how well do they contain Casey Thompson. I mean, they've had a little bit of a trouble with the read option this season, overcommitting to the running back, letting the quarterback just run free, not containing the edge. If they overcommit to Bijan, which they're bound to do because he's the truth, then Casey Thompson is going to have opportunities to have some free lanes to run from. They got to really be sound technically on the, on the read option. And they've got to have to limit some of his kind of more efficient passes. It's going to be tough, man. It's, it's always a tough game, whether Oklahoma's the number one team in the country and Texas is unranked or they're both ranked teams. It's always a tough matchup. It doesn't really seem to matter. I think a lot of it is going to depend for Oklahoma how well do they tackle Bijan Robinson? I mean, he they they missed four, 15 tackles last week against Kansas State. Bijan Robinson leads FBS and missed tackles forced, according to Pro Football Focus, with 51. Um, side note, my guy Kennedy Brooks with about half as many carries has 41 missed tackles yeah. forced. So anyway, just want to put that out there. You're the worst offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. You know, the the thing I said was the key in talking with Longhorns Wire was they're going to have to rally. I mean, they got to get multiple guys to Bajon Robinson and that still may not be enough. Like they got to get three, four, five guys to him to tackle him on every time, every time he touches the ball. Cause he's going to touch it a lot. I mean, we, Steve Sarkeesian wrote him last week. He's going to ride him again this week because he knows that that's his path to victory against Oklahoma. Linda, as an Oklahoma state supporter, and I, this is not just like an esoteric question. This is like, Hey, for the race in the conference, which way are you going? Because, if Oklahoma were to win, then that kind of sets up Oklahoma State to maybe land that knockout punch to Texas as a contender in the Big 12 by handing them a second loss the, the upcoming week. Or you could go the route of, hey, a loss there puts us – a loss for um, uh, for Oklahoma puts us at the top of the conference and, you know, it's it kind of it's kind of the race is on from there. How do you view it as an Oklahoma State fan coming into this week and what's your pick? Uh, well, I'd love it if both could lose, but that's not really like we're not living <laughs> in my world. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I think it'll be a really good game. I think it's probably going to be a high scoring game. But I said that a couple of weeks ago and it was a defense knockout. So maybe I don't know anything, but I do think there's going to be quite a bit of points put on the board. And uh, I'll probably not pull for either team. But if Texas wins and we're the only team with a zero in the loss column, I can't. I can't say I'll be mad about that. And if it makes me vain and petty, well, then so be it. What's your pick? I'm going Texas. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, all right, Stephen. Uh, I guess, I mean, I'm not really sure TCU's got a vested interest here, except Texas losing. I guess, I guess that's a vested interest. But uh, TCU. So TCU. What do you, what do you think there, Stephen? <laughs> there okay, I'm back. don't worry folks there we'll is. just roll with it can everybody hear me yeah we're good can you guys hear me yep we can yep. hear you yeah yeah okay steven yes what as a tcu fan vested interest what's your pick here yeah i mean you you always gotta your vested interest is always in the horns losing but i will say i don't know if it's just recency bias but something that sticks out to me jeff howe who covers the long horse from 247 the few times we have on the radio show, he'd always tell us this game always comes down to who's more physical at the point of attack. And I think that's Texas right now, which is 
funny to say, because I would not have said that before the season, but with the way they run the football with uh, with Robinson, um, I just think that's going to be the difference in the game. So I'll take the horns, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. We'll see. It's As John said, it's always a knockdown, drag-out game, um, regardless of the records. Yeah, I mean, I could see this being a high-scoring game. I also could see this being one of those where, like, I, I thought last week actually Oklahoma obliged Kansas State in the long drive game. I thought Spencer Rattler outside the interception was brilliant the entire day with with the, the football in its hands, making the right decisions. And Oklahoma was okay because their offense hasn't been super explosive so far this year, but they don't always have to be. Like last week they showed they actually didn't necessarily have to be. So I could see this being one of those games where almost, like Linda's saying, it feels like the offenses are having a lot of success although it's not necessarily manifesting itself on the scoreboard, right? Like they're, they're driving, but they're not necessarily putting up a ton of points. So I'm leaning OU right now, but like, I think like John said, it could be a Gabe Burkich field goal there at the end. And I'm always pumped. I'm always pumped to see that the fans sunburning, you know, in the stands because it's a thousand degrees in the first week of October. It always makes me very happy that I live in the state of Virginia. Um, it's always cool. The state fair vibe. And look, for the people that are complaining about Iowa State or Iowa and Penn State um, not getting game day, number one, and this is one of the best like three rivalries in college football. All right, it's I think it's that's it's, that's there. Number two, Penn State Iowa is on Fox, and I believe I don't know if Big Noon kickoffs going there because obviously it's not noon, but I believe Fox will have a ton of coverage. Also, three, this is this game is on is on ABC, so. What, what what do you want ESPN to do? Go give more coverage to Fox as they're going to have this big game this week? Or they've got a marquee matchup, a huge rivalry on their airwaves. Were they just not going to promote it? Come on now. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, any closing thoughts? Anybody? Uh, John, I'll, I'll let you everybody go around because I just went on a rant. Anybody have anything to say before they want to go? Any, any rants, anything to get off your chest as we're here closing out the show? John, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I, I want to echo what you said. Spencer Rattler was really good last week. He had three incompletions. Two of them were on miscommunications, I think, between him and his wide receiver. The wide receiver is going down the field. Spencer Rattler's reading that as a back shoulder fade. He throws it short. One of them was the interception. One of them went out of bounds. So Spencer Rattler is going to be key for Oklahoma. I think he's going to build off what he did last week. Steven, any closing thoughts here for us? I already went on my rant, so I'll spare you guys. But uh, I think it's a good slate, and don't sleep on – TCU Texas Tech at six o'clock on Saturday night because I feel like that's going to be fun. I will be all in on that game. I, I will be. I will be watching that game for sure. Linda, any closing thoughts? I mean, you guys didn't tell me how good Oklahoma State was enough today, but other than that, hey, <laughs> I have I'm number two else. in my power rankings over at the Sooners. Woo! I have number two. Right. So perfect. That's all uh, I, I just some validation. All right, Linda. In the back seat, we'll go around again. Plug the show. Where to find it? All those things. Uh, you can find the show at locked underscore on underscore pokes on Twitter and me at Lindellians on Twitter. Steven. At locked on horn frogs on Twitter is the show. I'm at Simcox Steven. John. At John nine Williams on the Twitters and at locked on Sooners on Twitter and locked on Sooners podcast on Facebook. You can find me uh, at Josh neighbors underscore on Twitter. You can find the show at LO big 12 you can find Locked On Big 12 Podcast on YouTube, and you can find us on the other podcast platforms as well. As always, Big 12 Super Friends. It was fun. We'll see you guys next Wednesday.